Hello and welcome to the Divergent IO podcast, episode four, Diversity Through Unity. I'm your host, Zachary Fellows, and this is my co-host, Beverly Dominguez. And today we're talking about diversity trainings and the benefits they offer to your company. So, Beverly, I always found diversity training very unique in a sense. Uh, There's so many different types of diversity training. Um, So what are your experiences with diversity training? Uh, What would you uh, consider a diversity training? So diversity training, it's, um, you know, we talk about um, diversity a lot when, you know, we were in grad school and also, you know, when you go in jobs, like, I think diversity and inclusion is a big thing for a lot of big companies, right? Or even like for any company, it's sometimes like a big deal for them and being able to be very diverse and, um, you know, we even like when you're applying, right, the it shows the... Um, like those questions at the end and being able to like for them to keep track of like who's coming into their company and where their background is and being able to maybe recruit people that maybe they're lacking a certain demographic for their job for their company and they want to recruit more people and stuff like that so I think it all starts like right from the beginning right so so why did we why do we create diversity trainings and I think it's just like when you're when you're in a company um you know, being able to inform people and educate people on the importance of diversity and inclusion um, can benefit the company, right? So, so what is diversity training and what are its benefits? So, first of all, a comprehensive diversity and inclusion training programs, they provide um, concrete ways of engaging in a very respectful um, way and also, you know, with having positive interactions with one, one another in the workplace. And it can also reduce discrimination and prejudice. Um, so, we talked about this in episode two of, um, you know, uh, removing biases in the workplace and you know through these trainings that's how people can learn how to remove bias and become you know a diverse company with a a company with a lot of diversity and inclusion and um, based on factors such as gender ethnicity race sexual orientation age religion physical and mental ability are you know key things when it comes to diversity like you want to be able to um you don't you don't have to but it's it's really um beneficial to have people from different backgrounds and ethnicities and um to being able to bring you know value into a company so here are some benefits that we actually gathered together to share with you guys so there are actually 10 benefits that you know why diversity training is important to a company so the first one is a variety of different perspectives so perspectives and ideas and thoughts and opinions are really important you know you want to be able to bring in um different things into the table you know when it comes to a meeting when it comes to having um a training you want to be able to bring different ideas and those can come from like different ethnicities different backgrounds um different um you know work experiences and um those are really important you know they're really important to it gets it helps you get to know the employee and where they came from and what they've learned in the past um so it's really important to help them feel welcome to share those perspectives. The second one can be it increases creativity. So creativity and also increasing innovation and being able to welcome people with the innovative mindset um, and innovative ideas. It's really important to have that because people are able to, you know, share their ideas when it comes to, um, you know, a, a training or a project. And that can bring in some, some color into sometimes an organization that's maybe, you know, very black and white. So being able to bring in like this, all of this color and fun and, you know, 
maybe some changes that can help the, the companies at times, you know, to be able to bring in um, more people and diff with if different age ranges or different backgrounds to, you know, be more diverse. And because um, sometimes I feel like companies are, um, they remain stagnant where they don't want to hire maybe a certain age or, you know, a, a person with where they're at a certain stage in their life. And, you know, that's that can be part of like discrimination, you know. But you want to be able to be open to allowing people to be creative and to show, you know, maybe their different mentalities of someone that maybe just graduated from college and that can, you know, bring in their fresh ideas and innovative ideas into a company. Um, so that is, you know, really important. Yeah, it's really important having innovative mindsets as well as having uh, having increased creativity. Uh, that really goes into your employees having a really good knowledge of um, psychological safety in a sense, because if I'm psychologically safe in the workplace, I'm going to share ideas. I'm going to be more creative. And most workplaces want their employees to be um, innovative and creative. Uh, there's, there's not really much workplaces I've, been in where it's just a rigid structure it's my way or the highway and in the job i currently have if i didn't feel like i was a part of the team or part of the department half of my projects i wouldn't have introduced um and they've led to promotions as well as uh, different things for me uh so if you're in a really really good um workplace where they encourage these ideas and inclusivity it really does help the work place as well as uh, employees yeah thank you for sharing that Zach. yeah it's really it's really important that you know companies allow that you know be to be to be able to um bring in the diversity and that inclusion um and um you mentioned about psychological safety right like that's that's a big mm -hmm. thing that can keep um a person in a company too and where they're not maybe feeling like oh my ideas are not being acknowledged or not being heard so yeah that's definitely you know really important to have um so let's see we're gonna move on to the the third point which is higher innovation i mean i'm sorry the fourth point the faster problems problem solving so with um faster problem solving um and the fifth point, which is better decision making, are both things that can um, that that can definitely benefit a company, right? Because uh, when when a person or when an employee is able to do this, uh, their their productivity increases, right? And then you know even like sales and and um, and all of that, which is you know numbers, numbers, numbers going up, which which companies want that, you know, you're working to to achieve that. So when you're training people to, you know, how to be a more productive employee, um, how to, um, you know, be able to be comfortable sharing your ideas and speaking up when um, maybe you have something, uh, an idea to end or to conclude some type of sale or um, making a decision and somebody's able to speak up and and make a decision like it's really important and it, it totally benefits the company yeah I, I totally agree with the decision making because uh, there's plenty of times where I've worked in groups where it's like I don't know what I, what what I want to do so I'm gonna just make a decision 
And you want to also give employees that ability to make decisions, not necessarily like let them do your budget for, for your company. But if you're in a meeting and people have ideas, um, it helps um, gain confidence within that employee as well as um, letting them feel like they're part of a common goal moving forward in the organization because their ideas are taken seriously. Um, and that also leads into the next point, which is increased profits, uh, which is, which is important. Uh, happy workforce really does increase profits uh, for a company. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like how you made that connection to this to the six point Zach. and um, yeah, that's uh, that's the goal, right, for every company to be able to do that. So um, that's why it's important to have this type of training because it all kind of goes together, right? Um, so this is the part that I um, personally really like, just because of you know I really love engagement and I love you know to train people how to be engaging you know to with their with their, you know, employees and, um, and teams and stuff like that. So the point number seven is higher employee engagement. So, um, when you're doing a training on diversity, you want to be able to, you know, help employees be engaged with, you know, their fellow, um, uh, coworkers and, you know, their, even their supervisors, you don't want them to be afraid of speaking up with, with them, you know, and, and, um, holding back what they're feeling or what they're thinking just because, you know, of different levels or um, you don't feel like you're um, knowledgeable or capable of sharing an idea, you know, and et cetera. Like there's many things, but, you know, being able to hide that, have higher employee engagement where everybody feels welcome to share their ideas and there's constant communication, you know, back and forth of, you know, sharing experiences, sharing ideas, sharing opinions, sharing thoughts, and we're all kind of like working together to achieve one goal. Um, so, you know, that's definitely important for a team to have. And that definitely benefits the company because it kind of, it, it becomes a collaborative, t- collaborative, collaborative, I can say that word. How do you say it, Zach? Uh, collaborative. Um, uh, and also, like, when you have employees that are really engaged, you're going to reduce the employee turnover uh, and you'll actually retain a lot more employees. So the more engaged someone is, the, the less likely they are going to leave. Um, and any, every time, an interesting stat, uh, me being the stat guy, every time a employee leaves, you have to train someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's cost your company two to two and a half times their salary. Yeah. And it's more the higher up they are in a company's hierarchy. Uh, and you also don't have that person in that job. You have to retrain them or you have to get them used to whatever your environment is. So reduced employee turnover is really linked to um, low in- employee engagement. Um, so if you have high turnover, you have low engagement. And a lot of these this tr- these trains actually, like, like Beverly said, help get your 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 employee engagement way higher um and that's a huge thing right now is like how do we keep our employees engaged especially remotely yeah and i know io psychologists are being driven crazy by this like there's too many distractions at home but yet people want to work from home Mm. um and i don't see that going away really anytime soon i see maybe hybrid work coming um so Beverly, do you think this helps companies' reputations, their diversity 
programs, their their inclusion training. Uh, do you think that betters companies, worsens them? Um, no, I think, uh, so Zach just mentioned point eight for the reducing employee turnover. And then we're moving forward to uh, point nine for the better. And so, yeah, so I think a diversity training does better company reputation um, just because, um, you know, I you, sometimes you hear about, you know, companies, let's say, like I've heard of, um, like some of my friends talk about, you know, they're, they have they had training at work and um, they really loved the training. It was really engaging. It was very informative. It was very um, relative, um, re- relevant to what they're currently going through and et cetera. Like, you know, like it, so it's, um, the company can be known for like having awesome trainings or having awesome engagement, having, um, you know, amazing, uh, you know, uh, creativity and a safe environment where people want to go to work, you know? So yeah, definitely. I think it does, um, it does highlight, you know, a company's reputation because, um, you know, you want to be known for a company that has, that's very diverse and inclusive, that it creates safe environments for their employees. So, um, yeah, it does, definitely does affect the reputation of a company. Um, and, uh, and it goes together with point 10, where it improves hiring results. You know, you it, sometimes you hear of a company that, that they're hiring, but they're not getting any candidates. And, you go into their website or, you know, like if wherever you're applying, let's say you're, you're doing Indeed and sometimes it has like, you know, reviews and you go and check and they have horrible reviews and then you're like, oh, maybe that's why they're not getting any candidates. Maybe that's why they're not hiring. Um, nobody's applying to that company. Uh, and, um, you know, so you want to be able to, you know, be a company that you have a lot of candidates and you have a lot of, um, you know, movement going on because, people want to actually work there. People want to be part of that. People want to be able to attend their trainings and be part of, of those teams. So yeah, I think it definitely improves the hiring results. Yes, it it does. And I think one of the reasons why is because if these trainings are done right, your employees are engaged, you have low turnover and it builds their, their um, social uh, psychological safety builds up the company's reputation. So if I'm talking to you about where I work, like I did before this podcast said, Hey, there's a training development job open theoretically. Um, You'd be more likely to apply and I'd be more likely to refer you if I'm happy in that company. Mm -hmm. Um, So you actually get better talent because you're able to network into say CBU or USC or Harvard or whoever you're hiring people for. If they like where they work, you're able to get access to these networks. Whereas you're not having to do college fairs all the time. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that for younger employees, but for seasoned professionals, if I went to, you know, say uh, Wharton school of business for a doctoral degree or something, th- and I become a CEO one day or whatever it may be. If I work at a company and I know someone's looking for a job and we talk all the time about how much I love where I work, of course, hiring is going to be better. And of course that network is going to have access but if it's a hor- if it's a horrible environment, I'm like, no, I would wish this on no one. This is not a great work. <laughs> don't come, don't come, morning. <laughs> please, please don't come. I, I beg you not to apply here. And that would be if you care about other people and people in your network, your friends. I I would not recommend them to a toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of what 
really drives this whole thing. All 10 of these points are really interconnected and they'll build on top of each other. Then at the end of the day, you really have a good company reputation and improved hiring results. Um, So what should diversity training include? There's about five things that every program should include. These are common things that each, each program really should try to accomplish. The first one is common goals, creating common goals, because common goals eventually lead to common bonds. Let's think of it this way. Say we're in a small militia army. We're trying to charge up a hill, and we have a few soldiers that just decide to do their own thing. We'll never, we will fail that, that task if we have people that don't move towards the same goal. But that also means you have to have goals that are worth you know, going after. Um, the second one is confronting unconscious bias. We talked about unconscious bias in episode two, which was really, I really recommend you go and listen to that. That's one of our, our best episodes to this point. Um, and unconscious bias is, originates in one's brain. And the way, it, way unconscious bias is believed to work is that you unconsciously will perceive things about people or things and will have a bias towards them. Whether you reckon, recognize them or not, you'll act on these impulsively, not consciously. Um, and, and when you create common goals and you recognize unconscious bias, it helps um, alleviate otherness in, in the workplace, othering people. Uh, you want unity. Unity through diversity, like this podcast is called. You want to unify over everyone's differences and create a strong team and workplace. You also, in this program, want to focus on inclusion. Inclusion goes just beyond hiring for for diversity. Inclusion actively seeks out over um, embracing and encouraging people uh, in different ways to approaching problems and how to solve these problems. Uh, This is really uh, at the heart of a lot of companies, there's a lot of problems within companies that need to be solved, whether it's analytically, whether it's like a budgetary thing, whether it is um, a training issue, you need people to come together and be willing to share ideas on how to solve problems, or you just have the same trek of mind. So these, these are really, these types of training is really good because if people are feeling like they're inclusive, they will share those ideas. We talked about that earlier in this podcast. And the next one, the fourth one is have your diversity training chosen wisely. Make sure your company goes through a training needs assessment before you don't want to just overwhelm people with, Hey, we have another diversity training. Uh, We want to make sure trainings are prioritized and used um, at, at the appropriate times. Um, You don't want to do them every month because then people will, come numb to the message you also want to do it after maybe you know if there's an incident and it affects multiple people maybe you do it then i know at least in the state of california when you're hired you do a diversity training um but i don't know i have to do them yearly where i'm at in a government position um so it's really important then the last one is moving away from prohibitive language introduce the idea of choose uh the idea of choosing to lean into diversity in the workplace not making it a forcible thing like, hey, we're a diverse workplace. You must be diverse. You must do that because that immediately turns off the the training 
in this sense, the, the, your fellow employee on, Hey, I'm demanding this out of people. They have to be diverse. They have to be this. Whereas like, if you're just have an open environment, you talk about it and it's conversational, it really does help um, everyone around them. Cause then they feel like, Hey, my ideas are valid and um, that they'll be more receptive to the message in a sense. Um, Cause if I demand you to do something, you're not likely to do it Beverly, huh? Right. Like, cause say like, you do this now, you're probably not, you'll be like, eh, no, probably not. Um, so probably, do you have any ideas uh, about any of these points or topics that no, were brought up? No, I definitely do think that it's, um, these are key points of how, you know, you know, how to do a diverse training, you know, like, I really like, you know, you start off with like creating a common goals, you know, like starting off, like in the beginning, you want to build that foundation. Um, and then, you know, confronting unconscious bias, like, what are some things like, I guess, some uh, preventatives that, that, you know, to not some things that you shouldn't be doing, you know, when you're entering this type of training, and then focus on inclusion, like, what's the purpose of this training? Like, what are we trying to do here? And then, um, you know, like, kind of going, uh, above and beyond of things that can happen you know like it says to encourage different ways of approaching and solving problems like kind of like going um like digging deeper into like finding ways how we can be diverse not just like the the outside of how that foundation is because i'm I, like as i'm talking to you right now like i'm thinking of like a house you know like the building mm -hmm. the foundation of a house like being able to use like concrete and not something that's going to be loose and then, um, you know, with the inclusion, it's more of like what's inside of the house, not just the mm -hmm. outside of it, you know, kind of making it look pretty. Like, no, it's what's going to be inside. What's what's the what's going to be the thing that people are going to remember? Um, yes, you know, like, I totally agree. So it's like it's not just going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that house. The house is pretty. But it's like, no, I remember being inside the house and being able to feel the warmth of that place. So being able to have those engaging conversations, being able to, you know, spend time together. That's kind of like mm -hmm. how this is, you know, and then be able to choose wisely, you know, being able to choose something that it's going to be remembered, you know, something that's going to stick in people's minds, um, prioritizing relevant ideas of what is happening now, what is something that people are, you know, itching to like listen to, you know, uh, yeah. what are people really want at that moment? What do people want change? Um, and stuff like that. So, you know, being able to choose something that's going to catch people's attentions. And then lastly, you know, moving away from prohibitive language, uh, you know, people are not going to listen to you if you're being like super rude or if you're being really direct to the point where it becomes like, um, like uh, demanding, you know, you want to be able to talk to people like how you should talk to people, you know, in a kind way where you're still giving them authority and power and you're not overwhelming them, you know, it, it's like you want to be able to help them feel comfortable by the way how you're speaking to them. So all of these different points are really important, you know, that will definitely do benefit the company if they're utilizing these methods. Um, because if you're not using them and you're doing the opposite, it's definitely going to mess up the way your company works or um, it's not going to improve anything, um, you know. So I definitely do agree with them. And I think, uh, it, you know, it definitely is something that a lot of companies should be implementing and should be thinking about when they're doing these types of trainings. Yeah. I like how you use the analogy of uh, the foundation of a house and being inside the home. Is it a home 
or is it just a house? Is it, is, are you just, do you remember it or does it feel like a home? And that, that, that's really a unique perspective to have on. I like that, but not many people have experienced what it's like to be, you know, in a home. What is a home? Like it's like a loving environment. It's positive environment generally. Um, and having an inclusive workplace is much like this. You're willing to be yourself. You're your true authentic self. You're not having to shield yourself in a workplace if there's an inclusive environment that that really builds up your ideas. Um, and this distinction really could be made between you've had a job and you have a career. You have a work. You have like a workplace. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a distinction because yeah. if I say I have a job versus I have a career, most people like, hey, I want a career. I want to be a part of something. I want to go towards that. And I think these programs are really useful, these trainings. Um, and I think that when they're used right, they really, really do help companies. Um, and I know, I understand why companies spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on training. Cause if you get it right, it, you get that in returns if you're a big enough company easy. Yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah, I really, I really do. Um, and you know, it's funny, like, <laughs> I kind of came with that analogy, like right on the spot, because I was thinking about it, like, what makes me, um, like, when I go to someone's, let's say I go to someone's house, and you can feel like, I feel at home, you know, I feel comfortable, I feel happy. And, um, and you can also go to some places where it's just like, it feels like just like a house, you know, you don't really feel that warmth. Um, and then um, I wanted to share something about um, when you're at home, you're your full self, right? You can mm-hmm. walk around in your PJs, you can speak and and express yourself of who you truly are. And um, and and when you're at someone else's house, um, you're not really at home, you know, you're like kind of like being really reserved or being just really quiet and timid. You try to maybe change the way how you're you know, you're acting and speaking just, you know, to be respective, respectful, or, you know, just, just, you know, it's different, you know, but when you feel at home, you're going to be able to, you know, feel comfortable to express yourself and be your true self. And, you know, that's how companies should make their employees feel, you know, employees should be able to speak and communicate whenever they want to, whenever they feel like they have something to say, they should be able to share it obviously in a very respectful and professional way because there are there are at work but you know the companies and um supervisors and leaders should be able to you know you know their employees should be able to speak to them you know in a comfortable way and manner so i think it's it's really important to you know keep that in mind when when you know you're you're leading a team um you know, to be able to create that safe environment where their employees feel at home, they feel safe, they feel comfortable. And now we're moving on to an open discussion and closing remarks. One thing that's really troubled me in the last year, maybe two years, is this trend that I've seen pop up. And it's uh, diversity training that has anti-racism mixed into it. And uh, I'll just give you a a short little definition of anti-racism. And before I do this, I am not really necessarily taking a huge like uh, stance on this, but I am going to be really open with everyone. But the definition, the book definition is anti-racism refers to a form of 
action against any racial hatred, bias, systematic racism, and oppression of marginalized groups. Anti-racism is usually structured around conscious efforts and deliberate actions to provide equitable opportunities for all people on an individual and systematic level. As a philosophy, it can be engaged with um, discrimination, uh, with acknowledging personal privilege, confronting acts of confronting acts and systems of uh, racial discrimination, with working to change personal racial biases. And I feel as the, this being put into into diversity training for me, uh, being white male myself, um, seeing companies like Coca-Cola um, have their training out on LinkedIn where it says confronting racism, understanding what it means to be white and challenging what it means to be a racist, assuming that anyone is a racist by the color of the skin is antithetical to any like hate movement. I, I, I don't, I don't understand that. I understand this, the systems and that in our past as a country that it's been very hard for people with that have been marginalized and oppressed, but to, to say, Hey, you're white and, uh, you're a racist therefore like those are mutually exclusive i don't i don't find that as a very inclusive thing and that's why i don't put it in this bracket i think it tears down everything you were building up before um and these are solely my opinions so this part of the open discussion i just wanted to say like i i don't endorse this as being a part of really any training it's moving down to local schools and in colleges and throughout the government i just think anti-racism as a training saying that people are, are victims solely due to their skin color by white people is wrong. And especially when at this time we are polarized and divided, but I think most people aren't just like racist. I don't think as a white man, I go around saying, Hey, there's this person that's a minority. And I don't think a lot of white people are that way. I don't think hardly any white people are that way, but I think there's a lot of powers that be that, prop this up for their own benefit and um that being said i don't believe this is a this is a part of diversity training um and i don't think companies should endorse this i think there's a big market actually for consulting to follow traditional diversity training and, and combat this um hopefully someone steps out and does it but if it, it, it's hard because when you say anti-racism and i'm against it people automatically assume hey racist uh i mean anti-racism obviously they don't want racism um and and i'm not saying that there haven't been structures or anything in the past that hasn't happened but i don't think that we're at this point in american society where white people are like killing black people in the streets or hispanic people or whoever it may be i don't think that's happening i've not seen that i mean i mean i do have my own bubble as well i'm not gonna say that it doesn't happen, but it's not happening on a grand scale as it's being reported. Um, so Beverly, do you have any closing remarks or any anything at, for open discussion or anything you would like to say, uh, whether it's remarks on this or anything we talked about previously? Um, a closing remark that I would like to do is that, um, yeah, definitely being able to have a diversity training in your organization can really benefit, you know, the teams or the organization 
in whole because um, you're educating people on how to utilize these different techniques that we talked about, you know, the different methods of, you know, choosing wisely and, um, you know, focus on inclusion and, you know, having common goals and, and stuff like that. So, like, all of this, it's really important that important to have because it, it's going to um, bring a lot of value into the organization and to the employees and empower them to basically work to their fullest potential and discover their full self and pour into the organization, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of these things, um, we really hope that you're able to take something from it. And, you know, with our, you know, we talked about being able to um, – you know, be able to be comfortable sharing different perspectives. And that's what Zach and I did today. We shared our different perspectives. And, you know, with this podcast, we want to be able to be comfortable because we wanted to eventually, you know, for this to be a platform where we feel safe. We are, we're building these foundation, this foundation, and we're building on this foundation to be comfortable. We want to be able to share our perspectives and our ideas and our opinions in this podcast. So that will be it for today's episode. Um, if you like this episode, please feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast channel. Um, please um, uh, share episodes with your friends and families. Um, and also feel free to message us if you have any questions about ourselves, about Zach and I, or if you have any questions about industrial organizational psychology, or if you have any career questions, we will feel, we would love to hear your, hear from you and, um, help you out in any way that we can. Also, um, feel free to message us if you would like for us to talk about a specific topic. Or if you would like for us to share your story with others, um, you know, sometimes we like to, you know, hear advice from our fellow IO practitioners or, you know, whatever field you're in. If you would like to, you know, share your story so other people can learn from you and maybe not make the same mistake or maybe they can learn from you and grow and develop um, or, you know, find their purpose or whatever it is that other people can learn from each other, you know. So definitely um, share your stories with us and um, we we're going to we're gonna be leaving our um, social media handles um on the description and um you're able to contact us through there so we hope to see you next month and you guys have a great um day a great rest of the month see ya